welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt! Charlene Schmidt, we have a uh, we have a great episode for, for our listeners today about mediocrity, but it will not be <laughs> a mediocre episode about great things. So, what's interesting is that you can do fantastic lists, and many have over the years, of great Star Trek episodes and even uh, horrible Star Trek episodes. I mean, there, there's yes. there's tons of lists of like the worst episodes of all time. I mean, it always has Code <laughs> yeah. of Honor on there, Threshold, you know, Spock's Brain, things like that. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're not necessarily going to make a list, but we're going to be talking about the mediocre episodes of Star Trek. Like what makes it mediocre and how we like them or we don't like them or we're just kind of like, Eh, okay, that happened. We'll see what we'll see what goes on next week on the, on the boob tube. So, uh, but before we get into that, you have a few things you need to address uh, on the mic before we move forward. Correct. We need to actually go back to last week where we were talking about our Trek fantasies and playing with our imaginations and how Star Trek kind of intersected with that. And we had a call out for listeners to share their own stories as far as their Trek fantasies went. And we got a couple. So I would like to read them on the air. So the first one comes from Jonathan Douglas says, Hey guys, love the latest show. What's your fantasy so much? I remember as a kid drawing over 13 seasons of Star Trek Voyager episodes. Wow. And seven seasons of Star Trek Enterprise with Picard and the Enterprise E. That's a really cool idea. Side note. <laughs> Most episodes were copies of the show, except I brought Voyager home in season five. My friend and I used to play battle stations in my room and make bridge consoles out of cardboard. It was so much fun. Lastly, I too pretend to fall asleep and pretend to awake on Voyager. Thanks so much, guys. LLAP. That is so cool. For one, cardboard oh, consoles. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of us did that. If we were at that right age where we could we made our own props oh heck yeah cardboard props are the best <laughs> and then also you're not alone in that uh y- you know you talked about falling asleep and you were on voyager well mm-hmm. that seems to be a common theme among our listeners because the other email i want to read comes from richard hunston who's a uh, loyal listener and writes in often And he kind of says the same thing. He says, My fantasy was scarily like Tristan's in that I woke up on a ship. Sometimes it was the Enterprise D, later it was Voyager, and the crew knew me as one of their officers. But I had to tell them that I was not who they thought I was. I was an alternate Rick from a universe where Voyager was a work of fiction. (laughs) I would put myself into life on Voyager, and as I lived there, I would recognize events starting to conform to an episode that point i would go to captain janeway's ready room and explain that in my universe i knew what was going to happen i would for the most part let things unfold and not interfere as this usually meant that they would get out of whatever trouble they were in occasionally janeway would make a decision that would differ from the episode narrative and i would have to have a quiet word <laughs> and tell her that if she strayed from the script i would no longer be able to advise her on her outcome 
that is hilarious. <laughs> she strayed from the think, script. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it may be a common aspect of fantasy not to imagine ourselves as a captain or replacing a character because we want to live alongside them. Also, many of my falling asleep fantasies did not feature phaser fire action, but the run of the mill day to day of ship life as this felt restful. Later in life, as I begun to suffer from tinnitus and it bothers me at night, I took to having ambient noise on in the background as I slept. I tried to have a few ones, but my f- by far my favorite was an eight-hour-long ambient track on the sound of Voyager crew quarters, the low hum of the engines, occasional computer beeps, sound of shuttlecraft passing by, etc. I close my eyes and the worries of life melt away as I imagine my room is a crew quarters on Voyager. As you said on the show, I too believe that an active fantasy life is healthy as long as it does not take over from reality. I have my head in the clouds, but my feet still on the ground. That's the perfect way to sum that up. That's what we were trying to articulate last week. Absolutely. Well done, and it's uh, th- I think that's the thing that really, when I read that email, I was intrigued by the the mundane, the, the run of the mill that a lot of us do imagine just being in Starfleet, not being yeah. in a battle or being in a phaser fight or, you know, like having macrocosm bacteria, you know, try to eat us. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, like running pads from the XO to the captain or, uh, you know, like going down to the mess hall or going to a birthday party or, or, or talking with our crewmates at our, at our stations. It's, it's things like that. Like, that's the thing is that as Star Trek fans, we want to experience the everyday life of that. Like, yeah, you know, shooting a phaser is fun. But the beauty of Star Trek for us is just the world and existing in that. And so it was yeah. really interesting to hear um, that listener articulate that. And also, uh, speaking of tinnitus, I, I, I know that uh, I'm sure that you, uh, Rick, are, are aware of this because you have tinnitus. But just in case you're not, uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy both suffered and are suffering from tinnitus. And so you are not alone in the Star Trek universe uh, mm-hmm. with having this condition. And, uh, and yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. I think Rick really nailed the reason why we want to do the mundane tasks on in the Star Trek world is that it's relaxing. It's not mm-hmm. a challenge. We're not under stress. We're not under the pressure of a firefight. It's just, no, we want to be involved in the world. We want to be immersed without having all of that extra stuff added. We don't need the action scenes. We just want to relax. And I know that eight hour loop that you're talking about so very well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us have downloaded that or made that or put it like I even put that onto a CD for my parents because they requested me to do that oh, so that they could nice. put it in their alarm clock and set it on a timer. Yeah. Well, it is really relaxing. It's perfect for background noise when you just need some ambiance and you don't have to pay attention to it. It's just there, but it does something to your brain that is. It eases things up. It can help you focus if you're doing work. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we should probably go ahead and go into our topic about the mediocre. It's it's hard to go headfirst into mediocrity, but that's what we're going to be doing today <laughs> on this episode. Yeah. You know, I don't really necessarily like the word mediocrity or mediocre just because of just how many negative connotations that can bring. I like to just say just okay. It's just, just okay. okay. Yeah, because no writer, when they're starting to write a script and whatnot, nobody sets out to make an episode that's just okay. 
they're not make or they're not setting out to make a horrible episode either. Although it happens, and then a lot of times when things fall in the middle, it's just like yeah, okay. But you know the thing is with mediocre episodes, there's a lot of things that can go wrong or not quite right that make it a meteor media. Okay, you know what? I give up on saying the word. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna say just okay. Just okay. There's a lot of things that make an episode just okay. We'll explore those things. Another aspect of this kind of part of the bell curve, if you will, because a lot of episodes are just okay, right? Um, some of them have kind of like a cult-like following amongst segments of the audience where like, this is way better and underrated than people think it is. So I'd like to talk about that too. But first, let's talk about what makes an episode mediocre. Why doesn't it stand out? I think there's certain times, like when you suggested this topic, the first thing that popped in my head was, I think a lot of times when you have a mediocre episode, it's usually because when you're like, because, you know, one person's just okay episode could be another person's great episode, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. I think that could be because, you know, like with a lot of Star Trek, there's one character it focuses on. Uh Sure, there's a B plot or sometimes it can focus on multiple people. But oftentimes you can say like, oh, okay. It's like when watching Friends, you're like, oh, oh God, this is a Joey episode. Jeez, let's just move yeah. on. You know, things like that. Uh, but with Star Trek, it could land on a character that you don't really dig on. Like, so even if it's potentially a great episode or, or, or well-written, you could go, oh God, it's a, it's a Bashir episode. I don't like him this season or Neelix, not again. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I feel like that can really hit home. And I think one thing that really uh, is interesting to me is there's this one segment. Uh, like this isn't – I don't think this is a perfect encapsulation. This is just one example of something that happens often is that you have great episodes that sandwich uh, just okay episodes and it kind of brings it down in your brain a little bit more where it goes – Maybe it could have been a good episode if it was surrounded by bad episodes, but because it's surrounded <laughs> by great ones, you're like, okay, that was just okay. That was mediocre. That's fine. Let's just move on. And yeah, if you okay. look at season, what is it? Three? Yeah. Season three of Voyager, you have Future's End part one and two. Great episode. Great episode yeah. arc. Fantastic stuff. Then you have Warlord which is not a good episode. It's not horrible. It's just not good. And then immediately after that, you have the Q in the gray, which is a fantastically fun episode. And then right after that, you have Macrocosm, which is uh, where you get badass Janeway. And so out of that that block of five episodes, mainly four, you have, like Warlord stands out because it's a Kess episode, which not everybody likes Kess. And it has a very mundane plot. <laughs> okay, you're bringing up a lot of good things here. Let's talk about your lists, though. Yeah, Future's End 1 and 2, I think, are more or less considered high up there in terms of ranking, quality, fun, entertaining episodes mm-hmm. of Voyager. Now, Warlord is kind of a mixed bag, right? Because not everybody likes Kess. The story is ju- it's just okay. It's more of a showcase for Jennifer Lean to show that, hey, she can act. She's pretty good at it. Yes, and that definitely showcases that. And for the, for people who don't remember, Warlord is a Voyager episode where Kess is controlled by an alien warlord named Tyrion. So like he, yeah. like his body dies, and then 
for lack of a better word, Katra, you know, goes into, um, <laughs> into somebody else and it goes into Kes. And so Kes becomes this Tyrion and she tries to take, she tries to perform a regime change. Like she tries to be the, uh, the leader of that, of that world or whatever, whatever, you know, yeah. uh-huh. your region we know what or what, about. Yeah. whatever it was, something like that. And so it's Voyager's job to uh, excise that uh, consciousness out of Kess. And it's a, it's a simple enough plot. I mean, I mean, it's a sci-fi plot, but it's, it's a great concept, but it it's hard. It was hard to fill a full hour, and I think that's another thing that mm. is a sign of mediocre episodes: is that you have a great story, a great idea, but it's really twenty two minutes of content, and you stretch it over to forty two, forty five. Yeah, that's another really good point. When you have to pad out an episode, it becomes pretty obvious, especially upon multiple viewings. You realize you could trim off so much fat. You know, one thing I think does happen is a writer comes up with what they think is a really good idea. They put it on paper and say, this is an amazing concept. This is so good. And then they actually write it out and it falls short. But Mm -hmm. because of time constraints and the nature of Hollywood and TV, they have to go through with it. The idea is there. They've got to just run with it. They've They've got to crank something out. So they go with yeah. it and they, they do their very best to make it work. But along the way, a lot of things can happen. One of which is padding. Another, I think, is uh, sometimes, if you, especially if you're doing kind of like a, a writing team, sometimes writing by committee is not the best thing where everybody's <laughs> ideas converge into this weird mishmash of a story. And then suddenly everybody's vision is no vision and it falls completely flat because nobody has any idea what the story's saying anymore. Right, right. And that's, that does make it difficult. I mean, there's huge benefits to having a writer's room. And it's it, because, you know, like when you work together on something, you can bounce ideas off of each other. You can have the whiteboard sure. and you can get that collective genius working together. And then there's other times when like there's, there's something different. You know, like you can have a good positive writer's room where everybody's together with the same goal trying to make it just make it work and you have the idea and you're just like okay great and then there's the other time where you write a script you hand it off and then it's rewritten by a producer and then that producer you know sends it to somebody to do punch up and then that person sends it off to another writer and then you're just and you're not even involved in the process anymore and it (laughs) just that's when it looks like a camel as opposed to it's the opposite of a group project like a group project you work together and then the other time it's somebody doing your work for you and you're not involved at all and it it's unrecognizable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good distinction to make too. Is sometimes the writers room or the writing team if they're all focused it can make beautiful things happen because no one mind is going to get it right every single time. So you have other people to kind of help rein things in and keep things in tip-top shape other times things get totally lost. Mhm. So there Absolutely. is that as well. So when it comes to these just okay episodes, I would love to know if any particular Trek episodes come to mind for you. Well, I mean, it's it's hard because in and of itself, it's easy to forget mediocre episodes. Sure, yeah. Like you, you remember the bad ones and you remember the good ones. But when it comes to mediocre ones, you're just kind of like, oh, geez, what was that called? What was that about? <laughs> there's there's so many times, like, I've rewatched every Star Trek episode 
I, I love I love track. You know, like over the years, you know, like you all that's what you do. You rewatch it constantly. Yeah. And so, like, who knows if it's you know twelve times to twenty times, whatever it is, or more. Even though, like, there's even though I've done that many rewatches, there are so many times when I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this one. <laughs> Well, let's also take into account, not only have we been doing this over the last 20, 30, maybe more years, but there's how many hours of Star Trek available to us? And our memory can only handle so much. <laughs> I think it's like 750. I think that was without Discovery involved. Yeah, so like we, yeah now with Discovery and Picard on the way, we're going to be just hurtling our way to 1,000 hours easily. Yeah. We're, Easily, like, and also with the lower decks being thrown in and everything oh, like that. It's, yeah. it's going to be yeah. interesting. I, I think one thing that definitely pops into my brain, and that's this is one of those things that I, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was an episode where Trip from Enterprise, where Trip uh, crash lands on a planet with a spoiled princess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the episode you're talking about. Okay, yeah. What is it called? And but I, I do pretty, remember this, yes. And that's the plot. Like, that's yeah. pretty much the plot. <laughs> it is, and don't they have to be... I don't know, they're, they they have to get somewhere, or he has to get her somewhere. Well, he Maybe. didn't know that he was carrying her. Like, that's the thing, is that, like, she was in a she was in a cargo bay, and he was hauling her like it was... Like, she was just cargo. He didn't know that it was human cargo. And then they okay. crash land, and he opens it up, and there's a beautiful woman inside. She's a horrible, horrible actress. And <laughs> it was... Uh, it just... And they... I think, like, because they're both attractive, they, of course, had to have them have sex and of have some sort of romantic link and they had no chemistry whatsoever actually you know what that's not even mediocre that was just a bad episode <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people do say that about this episode but then some people just say yeah it's just okay this is probably a very good example of an idea that just didn't quite live up to its potential maybe they could have had i don't know a little more of a, a different dynamic between these two characters. Maybe they could have cast mm-hmm. a different actress and maybe that we could have been a little more sold on it. But either way, it's it's a fairly classic thing, right? Just yeah. basically get the princess out of danger. I mean, that's the whole Mario Brothers game. I think another one that pops in my head, and I feel like it's easy to pick on season one episodes of any of any star trek show whether it's of course you know like whether it's tng or deep space nine or voyager enterprise even discovery uh but Babel of deep space nine it's in season one A, a mysterious virus plagues the station causing speech distortions and eventually death this one was one of those again where it's a great concept and really interesting um, yeah, like we saw a little bit of that in Discovery, but it was just a scene in Discovery. Sure. And just imagine that scene in Discovery stretched out to an entire episode, and then you have Babel in season one, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah. And it made a great, like I said, it made a great scene in Discovery and a very mediocre episode in Babel. Again, one of those things where if you stretch it out far enough, it just, it can't fly. Maybe it should have just been a scene. Discovery got that right. And I think with Discovery, though, they added something even more to it to make it more interesting, where they were actually speaking language 
that other people didn't understand. They were also viewing like the written word in a different language, but it was actually language. And in Babel, they were just speaking nonsense. It's true. So with that, okay, bunch of gibberish. That's entertaining for only so long. Right, and it's, it's like a word salad type deal. So I feel like even if Discovery was stretched out to an entire episode, that would make it more interesting because you're sure. dealing with real language that you can decipher instead of just eh, nonsense. Yeah. When I think of Voyager episodes that are just okay, a lot of times I think they have the kernel of a really good idea, but they don't develop it deep enough. You know what I mean? And it kind of sounds like maybe you could do that with this idea. If you give it enough complication, if you give it enough depth, you could make a whole episode out of it if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. But you have to have that amount of material to work with. Otherwise, it's just eh. There's there's also one thing that I think is interesting that this is much more of a complication now, today, than it would have been in the 90s and the 80s, was there are certain times when you have more serialized Trek, like an Enterprise or Discovery, uh, when you have a standalone episode that doesn't contribute to the overall arc or storyline, mm. you're kind of uh-huh. like, oh my God, why why is this wasting my time? Why like, are we what doing is, this? <laughs> yes. Why are we doing this? What's going on? There's times I felt that way with Orange is the New Black, the last season, mm. as well as The Handmaid's Tale, both very recent, so I'll try not to spoil anything, but there were times when I was going through them these seasons and just wondering, guys, what are you doing? Can we please move things along? And I know that I've said in Criticism of Discovery, could we just breathe a little bit on that show? And can we process what's happening? Well, that almost feels contradictory to what I'm saying to these two shows, where I'm saying, can we move it along, please? Uh, I think balance is a very important thing, apparently. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's, yeah, absolutely. Balance is a thing because that's a you can have a rushed episode you can have a rushed season or a rushed episode that needs to slow down take its time and explore these concepts because these co- like take discovery for example which we've talked about before is that these concepts are great concepts and you have a yes. storyline that's a really engaging and interesting storyline and they're trying to pack in 3 years into one season yes and- that's what discovery is doing and that's why it's like so mind numbing when they just keep going from plot point to plot point to plot point where right. maybe they do need to slow down a little bit, but then if you put the brakes on and you're going absolutely nowhere for a full hour or more, I mean, it's pretty obvious, okay, you guys are just dragging this out. You don't know what you're doing, do you? And that's the thing is that like we're not asking for Discovery to stop halting, that mo- like stop the momentum or say let's focus on something outside of the storyline. We're asking them to slow no. down. Now, if they, because that's the thing, if they if they had a... Like, just imagine in season two, all this craziness is going on, and they're trying to do the Red Angel storyline, and then they stop, and they have, like, a Data's Day episode. Uh, you'd be, you'd, yeah. You'd be like, as what the hell is going on? <laughs> exactly. As fascinating as that might be, it would not fit at all, especially with the format of Discovery. We would just be, what the F? And that's not a chance to breathe. That's halting all momentum. There's a difference. Yeah. And the first thing that popped into my head was in Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, the the Hatchery episode. Okay, now I do not remember this one. Can you refresh me? 
Well, season three is, you know, this is a divisive season, but I love it. Like this was like this was boom, serialized Star Trek really for the first time for an entire season. I know, I know, you know, Deep Space Nine did it, you know, like overall and like those final 10 episodes in the last season. Like I'm not arguing that I'm saying that with Enterprise, it was boom. This is our mission statement for the season. First episode introduces it. The last episode closes it like that was it. We didn't really get that in Deep Space Nine, but there is some great serialized storytelling in Deep Space Nine. So that's the distinction that I'm making. Don't email me. With <laughs> Hatchery, it's the 17th episode of the third season. And so it's all about the Zindi. Like the Zindi are going to destroy Earth. And so it's Enterprise's mission to stop the Zindi from destroying Earth. And then there's this episode where uh, <laughs> Archer becomes obsessed with... Um, how do I phrase this? Like he he's trying to save this hatchery. He's trying to save these eggs, and he becomes obsessed with these insectoid eggs. And he's clearly insane. Like he's clearly a crazy person. <laughs> and and so Trip has to lead a mutiny to relieve Archer of his command. And it takes them way too long to figure out that he's cra- crazy. And Scott Bakula is not a subtle actor. And so like he really <laughs> ramps up and dials up the crazy. And so when you're watching this, you're just like, okay, he's clearly insane. Uh, you guys need to do something about it. You're taking way too long to do something about it. And also, what the hell is this about? Why aren't we going and trying to save the day? Like people are going to die. Okay. Is it sad that I don't remember a thing about this episode at all? No, that's what I'm talking about. This is a very <laughs> mediocre episode. It halts the momentum of season three, which a, a few episodes really did in season three. Uh, but with mediocre episodes and episodes that are just okay, you don't devote them to memory because they're not worth devoting to memory. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those that just, I think the moment I watched it or when I was done watching it, it just brain bleached. Okay, that was completely... Not worth 45 minutes. Nothing important happened. Moving on. Right. And I think the the one that... There's one Voyager one that pops into my brain. That Which is, one's that? That's, it's always been an inside joke between the two of us. Because, you know, we, we had a show where we hosted, you know, 190 episodes all about Voyager. And we often came back to this one. It's called Unforgettable. And <laughs> it's... Yes. <laughs> it's Wrong one of title. the most... Yeah, it's one of the most forgettable Star Trek episodes of all time. It's a Chakotay episode. Not a lot of people love Chakotay. I do. But it's an alien... And Wikipedia describes it as this. An alien female from a cloaked ship asks for Chakotay by name and requests asylum on Voyager from her people. And the whole story is that, you know, like she's, 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 you know, she's defecting and they have technology that erases your memory so that you don't know about them. And... And then, like, you know, it's it, the guest star is Virgin Madsen, who's a really great actress and really fun. And she falls in love with Chakotay, doesn't want him to forget her. She doesn't want to forget him. But then, of course, that's what happens. And it's just, it again, on paper, it should be an interesting episode. But it really focused heavily on the romance and not so much on the sci-fi. And it was even directed by Andrew Robinson, you know, the guy who played Garrick. Yep. And so it's, it's not a poorly directed episode, but it's just like... Uh, there was nothing there to really make it rise above. Yeah. Well, here's what I think worked against this episode was, one, it does focus on Chakotay. And not a lot of people are big fans of Chakotay because this was, what, season three or four? 
Four. End of season, like near the end of season four. Okay, I think at this point, a lot of people had already given up on Chakotay. He was just going nowhere. So they tried to throw him a bone, right? With this kind of an episode, really hyped it up. Got, Got a good actress, got a good director, had a good concept. But you know what? With romance on Star Trek, and especially with a guest star, we know it's not gonna go anywhere. So that's another strike. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, I mean, with that, we know that at the end of this episode, they're going to part ways. They'll remember each other fondly forever, right? And then next week, it's like it never happened. So, and then he's on to the next person. Uh, right. <laughs> and especially for Chakotay, who did get a romance here and there, but we all knew it was crap and it was stupid and it just wasn't going to work out. So, I mean, and I remember they tried really hard to hype this whole thing, too. And it just... It fell so short. And here's the thing. Like, the episode before it was the Omega Directive, uh-huh. which was fantastic drama, a great Janeway uh, 7 episode. And then the next one was Living Witness. Ooh. Yeah, okay. So those are two fairly high-concept episodes. Really yeah. good acting, very interesting, intriguing sci-fi story ideas. And then we've got this in the middle. And so, again, it's like you were saying earlier where... If an okay episode is sandwiched between really good episodes, it kind of takes it down a notch. Now, if this episode had aired, say, after something like Threshold or Favorite Son or something, we might have a higher opinion of it, but we don't. Right. And the same kind of thing even, you know, happens with uh, TNG, where, like, if you look at, oh, God, what's what's the season number? Season six, uh, which has some really great episodes in it. Like, you have Chain of Command... Part one and two, fantastic stuff. Some of the best acting out of Patrick Stewart that we've ever seen. And then you have Ship in a Bottle. That's a Moriarty episode. And then you have Aquiel, which some people probably don't even remember what it is. Like the crew of the Enterprise investigates a mysterious death on a remote station. And Commander LaForge falls for the main suspect. And then right after that, you have Face of the Enemy. And then Tapestry. And so... You know, these are all great episodes, except for Aquiel. And so yeah. with Aquiel, you have, I mean, again, I feel like LaForge's episodes just weren't that good. They didn't give him the best stuff to work with. And especially if we're talking a Geordie romance, that's a bad Ugh. idea. I mean, we had the whole Leah Brahms thing. Anytime they try to go here, it it just, uh, I think it lowers our opinion of Jordy a little bit, at least in the romance department. Plus, then you've got all these other heavy hitters. Th- these episodes yes. that we really are, are, you know, critically acclaimed and fan favorites. Tapestry, Face of the Enemy, they're right at the top. I, I think Aquiel, that, that one is either... Just okay and forgettable by a lot of people. But then you've got people who say that's one of the worst episodes of Star Trek I've ever seen. That's so true. Then you, I mean, then this you're going mi- into infamous territory. This this might be burgeoning on bad, not just mediocre, because yeah, there's so many scenes of him just sitting in his chair, listening to her speak, like listening to a yeah. recording of her speak. And we're just like, oh, great. This is so entertaining. I love watching Jordy just sit down and listen to someone speak. And <laughs> it's weird because you have it. It's directed by Cliff Bowl. The story is by Jerry Taylor. And it was written by Braga and Moore. Right. All good. I mean, they produce solid work. We know have, that they can like, do their job. But like, I, I know guess, that there is some hesitation behind Braga, but come on, it's Ronald well, D. Moore and Jerry I mean, Taylor and Cliff Bowl. Just, just don't let Braga write about science. He doesn't understand. But, <laughs> I mean, I guess the point of this is, 
they can't all be winners, I guess, right? Right. And Absolutely. nobody sets out to make a bad one, but just things do end up kind of unfolding. The TNG episode, when I thought about this topic that stood out to me, was an episode called Imaginary Friend. Do you remember this? Imaginary? Oh, wait. Was that the one where the little blonde girl was the imaginary one? And she was that yeah. actress who was really hot at the time. Like she was she was the child actress, like who just kind of went from show to show to show. Like she was a really uh, evil looking blonde girl. Am I well, forget- she am was I- blonde. I don't know if she was having like a the career like a massive career uh, awakening or not, but yeah, she, there was definitely a blonde girl. It was two girls. It was a girl who she had lost her mother and she was with her dad who was being assigned from ship to ship and whatnot. She'd come aboard the Enterprise, was talking to Counselor Troy and whatnot, and she has this imaginary friend. Well, the imaginary friend comes to life. It's really an alien life form, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Causes a lot of trouble. And I think the whole point of the episode, at the heart of it, is kids, you ought to listen to your parents because we set rules for a reason. Now, you can't completely argue against the moral of a story. Like, yes, parents are supposed to provide structure for their kids and safety and a sense of Mm -hmm. security and whatnot. Kids need these things. And kids, you should listen to your parents if they've got your best interests at heart because that's their job. They're trying to protect you from yourself because you just don't know better yet. But as a story... I mean, I loved this episode, amazingly enough, when I was a kid, despite the lesson you'd think I'd hate it. But I just thought, there's kids. They're actually doing a kid's story on the Enterprise, which actually, that's kind of a strike against, right? Is anytime they have <laughs> child actors, it, it just typically doesn't go that well. I know that they tried, but it wasn't always their best work. Um, and this yeah. was one of the more interesting kid ones, just because it was it wasn't Alexander, basically, which I think was the appeal. But now I look at that episode and I realize, oh wow, that no, you you just tried to put a sci-fi twist on it and make it work, and it really fell flat. Yeah, I feel like Star Trek doesn't really do kid stories that well. I mean, they got a f- they got a little bit of it right with Naomi Wildman and Voyager, but it took them that long to get there. I was and just gonna say Naomi was one of the few exceptions. They, uh, I, ju- I I looked up the actress's name, and her name is Shay Astor or Astar. I don't know how you pronounce it. And yeah, like in the early '90s, she was on Quantum Leap. She was on Boy Meets World. Uh, she was on ER, she was on The Good Life, and she had a recurring role on Third Rock from the Sun. And oh, so like, wow. the 90s were, like, especially the early 90s, like, those, that was her time. Like, she was everywhere. <laughs> okay, she really was, and she was on some very, very high-quality shows back then. So good for her. Yeah, absolutely. But what and happened? That's like, really did she all fizzle that I out? Is she no longer acting? No, I think she actually is still acting. I mean, like, I'm on Memory Alpha right now, so it's not the most up-to-date. Oh, okay. Uh, but she was, uh, she was in the unit. Uh, she was in a short lived Fox series called the inside. Um, she was on cold case. Uh, let's see. Like she was in a showtime series called shameless. Oh, that, that's still going on. So yeah. Yeah. She looks like she's still going. Okay. Still good. Well, good for her. Good for her. Good that's for her. Cool. Yeah. All right. So one other Voyager episode that I think is just okay, but I secretly kind of like parts of it is the second season episode, Partuition. Now, this is one, This okay, it's the spaghetti fight episode. Does that ring any bells? Oh, yeah, I like this one. I like this one a lot. <laughs> now, this episode certainly has its flaws. 
But if you tell me on paper it's going to be Neelix and Tom Paris having to work together, especially after some tensions where they resolve the freaking love triangle that they decided to build between these three with Kess, mm-hmm. and they, they're, they're actually going to bury the hatchet, I'm going to say, yes, do this episode. Now, the spaghetti fight, probably the best thing about the whole episode. Really good stuff. And especially Janeway smacking the axe on the two of them and making them fight it out. But then the whole dinosaur plot, where they have basically the leftover props from the show Dinosaurs. I don't know if you watch that show, but it's very reminiscent. It looks like a puppet. The little thing after it hatches. I was just waiting for it to say, not the mama, because that was the thing from the show Dinosaurs. Uh, They have to take care of this thing. They learn to nurture it, and they decide, yeah, you know what? We're all right. Okay, cool. The execution was not the greatest. And that was not to any fault of Robert Duncan McNeil or Ethan Phillips or even necessarily the writers. It just, I don't know, especially after the spaghetti fight, it kind of lacks excitement because it's so stereotypical. Oh, they're going to come together for the cause of finding this little hatchling and returning it to its mother. I liked it. I can't really agree with you on this one. I mean, I kind of feel like it's learning curve, right? Where we're going to put these misfits together and they're going to come out the other side as a team and a unified force and they're going to come onto the good side. Yeah, Uh, again, I I didn't think learning curve was that bad. Like, yeah, I thought it was okay. (sighs) But maybe even like burging on more than just okay. I don't know. All right. I mean, again, it kind of goes back to those things where some of these mediocre episodes are better received to some than they are to others, depending on what we like and what we're looking for in each series or episode. All right. <laughs> That's all you got to say? That's fair. That's, That's all I got to say. <laughs> you know, when we're talking just okay, I mean, sometimes that is all you have to say. It's just, yeah, that happened. All right. Well, so, actually, any you final know, one thoughts? Thing, yeah, actually, one thing I'd love to hear from our audience is, with this in mind, like, what is an episode... Because like we could like our audience could just go on and on with an episode list of what's just okay. Sure. What's an episode that you've heard other people really like that you think is just okay, or yeah. or even vice versa? You know, like what's an episode that you think is great that a lot of people think is just like, eh? You know, yeah. I'd love to hear the disparity between the two like what have you come across because all of us can list mediocre episodes but i want to know from our listeners what's something that you think is mediocre that a lot of people think is great or vice versa you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact select punch it from the drop down menu fill out the form it'll send us an email and uh we will if we don't reply back we we, we read everything we can't always reply to everything uh but we, we try, try that you can also find us on social media we're on facebook on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, the show Twitter is Join Nerd Party. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin, and you can find me at Oh the Profanity. And don't forget to tell us why these episodes are either something that you like or something that is just eh, because that's the important that's right. thing that makes it interesting. Um, also, maybe if we get enough replies, we'll re- we'll read them on the show, just like we did this week with last week's topic. And thank you to those who have already written in and are planning on writing in. So yeah. next week, uh, we don't know uh, what is going to happen. We don't know if it's going to, hopefully it'll be better than mediocre or just okay. <laughs> I, I think it will be. But whatever it's going to be, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. 
join the revolution, join the nerd party.